Christians are called believers. What do we believe? Why do we believe it? And does it matter? Today in the church, there is a mindset that it doesn't matter what we believe. If you watch, if you listen, uh, that is a mindset, and it is a growing mindset. It doesn't matter what we believe, and it does not matter why we believe it. Today in the church, there is a movement that would say, as long as you believe something, and really as long as you believe anything, that that is the goal. And so as long as you come along and profess something, and as long as it seems to have the words that we like, that is good enough. In fact, today I will tell you, in the church, there is now a pushback, there is now a hatred for those who would say that it matters what we believe and that it matters why we believe it. I hear people and they say, you know what, we're just not into all of that. We're not concerned with all of that or we're looking for a church that's not so heavily focused on doctrine. And there is a pushback against those that would say it matters what we believe and more than that, it matters why we believe it. Well, here is the truth today, and let me tell you, especially today, we had better be sure of what we believe. The church, we had better be sure of what we believe. We had better be clear, and I mean crystal clear, in why we believe it, and we had better be certain it absolutely does matter. It matters what we believe as Christians, what we're professing, and it matters why we believe it. Well, we're going to see that in our verses today. Now, every week I think it's crazy how that works out. God speaks to us through his word, but we're going to see that walked out in our verses today. Our message today is entitled, Truth Matters. Truth Matters. We're in Acts chapter 15. We're moving in our study of Acts Verses 12 through 35, a big set of verses, a, a pretty good chunk of verses. Acts chapter 15, today verses 12 through 35. I'm going to ask you if you would, if you would stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 12, God's word says this. All the people kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simon has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. With this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after these things I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things known from long ago. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. For Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. 
Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they sent this letter by them. The apostles and the brethren who are, who are elders to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia who are from the Gentiles, greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourself free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch. And having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. After they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. But it seemed good to Silas to remain there. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we are thankful that we have a hope today. We're thankful that today in a mixed up world, our anchor holds. We're thankful that we have peace, not as the world can give, not as, even as it can understand, but peace settled in the finished work of a risen, resurrected Savior. Lord, we gather today as your people, and I pray asking that you would speak to us in the preaching of your word, that you would direct us, that you would teach us, that you would convict us, that you would bless us and encourage us in the studying of your living and active word. Lord, I, I pray that we would grow as a church. I pray that we would be more in line with your purpose as a people. And I pray the fruit of all of that is that you would be known and your glory would be great in these days. Lord, I pray for somebody in this room that does not know you. I pray that in the preaching of the good news of a risen, resurrected Savior, that today might be the day of their salvation. Move in our midst. We give you this as an act of worship. We ask that you take it, multiply it, bless it, and use it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we resume and we cover considerable ground in our study of Acts here in the 15th chapter. Now, we should be very sure as a church, as a people, that Acts chapter 15 is a big deal. It is a big chapter in the life and the practice of the church. When someone talks about Acts chapter 15, we should recognize this is a foundational chapter, a big chapter in the life and the practice of the New Testament church. A huge piece of Christian doctrine, Christian truth, 
is set into stone here in the 15th chapter. Now, it was a question that was that was on their minds then. It was a subject that was in question then. And we're going to see that today it is a subject that is under attack now. And so they were wondering about it then. There's a question about it then. And so it is settled in the 15th chapter. Well, understand, it is under attack now. And so we go back to and refer to this 15th chapter. Well, the thing that's under attack, the thing that was in question is, is the truth What must a person do to be saved? And that's what they were wondering then. There's the the influence of of Judaism, of of their Jewish roots. There's the new truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are the pagan religions surrounding them. And they are wondering, what must a person do to be saved? Well, that question exists today as well. In fact, that question is under attack today as well. So, Here's the first thing. As believers, what do we believe? We're going to walk through this in in our verses today. As believers, what do we believe? Well, remember in the preceding verses from last week, it has been declared that we believe we are saved in the grace of God. That is the first piece. We're saved in the grace of God. Not in any work. It is not in circumcision. That's what they were dealing with. It is not in rule following. It is not in baptism. It is not in the taking of the sacraments. It is not in any work of man. It is not because we earn it. It is not because we deserve it. It's not because we're born into a particular people group. We are saved in the grace of God by faith in Jesus alone. Now what that means is, when we believe the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we receive by faith Jesus, meaning we trust him, we receive him in belief, the the truth of scripture is we are saved. And that is for any person, not just a Jewish person, but for a Gentile person as well. We are saved by faith in Jesus. And so be certain, what is it that we believe? We believe we are saved by the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ. We need to be sure of that. We need to be ready to declare that. We are saved by the grace of God, no work of man, by faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know all of that? is under attack today. All of that is under attack today. The idea of salvation is under attack today. And there's a whole bunch of folks, Oprah Winfrey and a whole bunch of folks that say, what are you even saved from? And what does it mean to be saved? And do you really need to even be saved? The idea of salvation itself is under attack today. The idea of salvation by grace is under attack today. And there are churches, many churches, that have added things to the faith in Jesus Christ. 
and they've added systems of works. And you know what? You have to be baptized in order to be saved or you have to participate in these sacraments in order to be saved or you have to belong to this particular church in order to be saved. And they've added all sorts of things to do. The idea of receiving Christ by faith is under attack today. And folks say there's other means. The idea of being saved by faith in Jesus alone, certainly, most certainly in this day, is under attack. And there are teachers today that say, you know what, all roads lead to the same path. And there are many ways to be saved. And there are other names that we can find salvation in. And that is a teaching today. Surely it's not as narrow as the person of Jesus Christ. So here's the question, what do we believe? As Christians, what do we believe? As the church, what do we believe? We believe we are sinners. We believe we have no hope of our own. We believe we are saved in the grace and the gift of a kind, merciful God by faith in a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is our gospel. That is what we believe. That is what matters. That is what we believe. Let me back up and read verse 11. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. That is what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. We're saved in the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Let me ask you a question. Why do we believe that? Why do we believe that? Aren't there other, other things that might point us in a different direction? What, what if you have a way to defeat the demons in your life or the, the guilt that stains you? That's what Ophrah talks about. The guilt, the shame that you have. If you can set that down, why do we believe that salvation is in the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ? Why do we believe that? Verse 12. All the people kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Now, notice so far in this 15th chapter, Barnabas and Paul have given their report, but it is Peter who has spoken to the church there in Jerusalem. Well, now we again find that Paul and Barnabas are telling what God did, notice, through them, they didn't do it, but God did it through them as they ministered, as they preached to the Gentiles. And so now here in the middle of the chapter, they are again giving the report of what God has done through them. Now the reason is this, the signs and wonders, when they were out preaching to the Gentiles, the signs and wonders that occurred confirmed the message. Now listen, well, now as they relate the signs and wonders, they are confirming the messengers. Be sure and understand that. They had confirmed the message, but now as they tell the church in Jerusalem, these signs and wonders are confirming the messengers. Now think about that for a second. All these folks in Jerusalem are probably thinking, well, who are y'all? Why do we care what you say? We're the, we're the, we're the mother church. We're here in Jerusalem. We, we have the apostles here with us. 
Why do we care what you say? Why do we even care what you think? Well, just like the miracles confirmed the message when it was preached, now the retelling of the miracles are confirming the messengers. These are God's spokesmen. These are God's preachers, and they are confirmed in the telling of the signs and wonders. All right, verse 13. After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, brethren, listen to me. Now, James is the pastor, the leader of the church there in Jerusalem. Peter has spoken. Now, Paul and Barnabas have given their report. And now the pastor of this local church, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, James, now speaks why do we believe this? Salvation is in the grace of God by faith in Jesus. Why do we believe this? Verse 14. Simon has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. Now, Simon here, it's the, the name for Peter. Peter has told them how he was sent to Cornelius and how God worked through that and how the Gentiles were saved. He has told them that God's plan has always included the Gentiles. He's told them how they were saved, how they received the Holy Spirit as they had, how it was the same event. And, and so now he has is, he is, he is confirmed what Peter has said. So see this. Peter here is relaying the word of God. Now, I want to try and explain this. This is a unique situation where as an apostle, Peter is relaying the word of God. Now, this account is what becomes our Acts chapter 10. It's the account of his calling to go to see Cornelius and the revelation that the salvation of, of God is for the Gentiles as well. And so, this is a unique situation where he is relaying the word of God. Now, I want you to be sure of something here. They are not powwowing. They're not deciding what the word of God should be or what it will be. They didn't get together and say, you know what, if I was God, I would say this. Surely God has meant that. No, the apostles have a special authority and a special ability to speak the word of God. That is our New Testament. And so Peter here is relaying the word of God. That means today we do not counsel, we do not meet and decide what will be the word of God. There are people today and they will tell you that God is speaking in a new way through them, that the office of apostle has reopened today, and as they speak, they are speaking the word of God. I could give you a whole lot of names, but in our day, there are folks that say, I am speaking, I am reporting the word of God. Well, be sure to understand, Peter here is an apostle. He is commissioned by Christ, and he is speaking the word of God. That is what we have, again, our New Testament. Well, James says here, Peter has told us that God's plan includes the Gentile. Now, stay with me, verse 15. 
with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. With this, meaning what Peter has said. Peter has said that God's plan includes the Gentiles. With what Peter has said, with this, the words of the Old Testament prophets agree. He says, just as it is written. Then he quotes Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Let me read that to you, verses 16, 17, and 18. After these things, I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things known from long ago. And so I want you to follow with me, see this. What Peter has spoken agrees with what the Old Testament prophets has spoken. That's what James is telling us here. What Peter has spoken, this is in agreement with what the Old Testament prophets have spoken. James tells us, why do they believe what they believe? He tells us, they make their determination based on the word of God. Now, here's what I want you to see in that. For them, making these decisions, the word of God is the standard. The word of God is the plumb line. How do they know what they know? It's because it is based upon the word of God. That's what he's saying. Peter has told us that. It is a revelation of God. It is an agreement with what the Old Testament prophets have said in the word of God. So how do we know what we know? It is because it is revealed based upon the standard of the word of God. That's a long way to get to this. Today, how do we know what we know? It is in the same way it is solely from the word of God. Listen very carefully this morning. The word of God is our source. The word of God is our plumb line. Why do we believe what we believe in the New Testament church? It's because the word of God says it. It is based upon the word of God. Now, I want to go a little bit further. This is confusing, I know. I want to go a little bit further here. Not only that, but see here, the word of God will not contradict the word of God. Now, we're going to see that here as well. The word of God will not contradict the word of God. What Peter said is the same and is confirmed by what the prophets in the Old Testament said. That is what James shows us here. What Peter has said is the same as what the Old Testament prophets have said. Here's the point. The word of God does not and will not contradict ever the word of God. Now what that means is, God is not so disjointed, God is not so schizophrenic as to say one thing over here and to say something else over there. He's not disjointed like that, that's not him. The word of God stands and the word of God is consistent and it will never contradict itself. If God has said it over here, it will hold up with what God has said over there. Let me tell you something. 
today, wow, especially today, there are some folks that are trying to update the Word of God. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, our beliefs, that's not necessarily popular right now. The teaching of Scripture is not that popular right now. And I was watching a guy yesterday. There are folks, and they feel like they have to update the Word of God. They have to try and change the Word of God. There are folks, and they'll say it. Maybe you've heard it. God is doing a new thing in this day. Or God has a fresh word, a new word in this day. Friends, I want you to be very sure of something. God does not change, and so his word does not change. I could give you all kinds of examples right here, but let me just give you a couple. If God says in Genesis that he created them two genders, male and female, you know what holds true today? There are but two genders, male and female, thus saith the Lord. If God says that marriage is between one woman and one man, and that is his plan, and that is the blessing for us, and if he says that in the book of Genesis, I want to tell you, that still holds today, thus saith the Lord. God's word will not contradict itself. And so let me walk you through this. So what do we believe? We believe we're saved in the grace of a kind and wonderful God. We believe we're saved as sinners by faith, not of any work that we would ever do by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And we believe that is available for all People. And then we ask the question, so why do we believe that? It's because God word, God's word has said it. When I was in seminary, I had a professor, and I actually had a couple of them, and they were teaching unapologetically, clearly, there's more than one way to be saved. They were teaching that financed by Texas Baptists. They were teaching that. They were teaching that it's not just in Jesus Christ alone. And they would say, you know what, there may be other ways and praise the Lord if somebody found a different way. I was kind of a hillbilly. I'd just come off of a tractor. I didn't know much. And I raised my hand and said, you know what the Bible says? I didn't know a whole lot of it. I knew a little bit. There's no other name given among under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved in the name of Jesus, Acts 4.12. The Bible says, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John chapter 14, verse 6. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, you will be saved, Romans 10.9. And this guy said, oh, so you are an authoritative Bible guy. Friends, let me tell you something. As believers, we are authoritative Bible people. The Bible has spoken, God has spoken, and that is why we believe it. Why do we believe what we believe? Because God has said it in his word. What do we believe? Why do we believe it? Here's the last point. Why does it matter? And this is very practical. Why does it matter? James goes on, verse 19. 
This is going to be a lengthy sermon too, just like theirs looks like. Verse 19. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles. He says they're saved. They understand the gospel. Don't trouble them any longer. Verse 20. But that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols, from fornication, and from what is strangled, and from blood. Verse 21. An awesome thing's happening here. For Moses, from ancient generations, has in every city those who preach him, since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. He gives them, he's in the process of giving them instructions not about salvation, not about being saved, but as instructions for life as a believer. Now notice he says abstain from the things that are contaminated by idols, from fornication, that means sexual immorality, from things that are strangled, meat that is strangled, and from blood. Now I want you to watch this. I want you to see this. He is telling these Gentile believers that their witness matters. Pretty awesome turn has just happened here. He is telling these Gentile believers that their witness matters. And just like the Jews should not hinder the Gentiles, now he is telling them that the Gentiles should not hinder the Jews. He tells the reason in verse 21, because in all these Gentile cities, there are Jews. There are folks that have been preaching the message of Judaism in all of these Gentile cities in the synagogue every week. And in all these Gentile cities, there are Jews. And if you are doing these things, which their religion, their law has outlawed, you will hinder them from finding Jesus Christ. And so he says, just like the Jews are not to hinder and bother you, you're not to hinder and bother the Jews. Now here's a quick side note, and it's just a bonus for you today. How you live as a believer matters. How you live as a believer matters. It's not just get saved and put that in the bank. How you live as a believer matters. How you carry the name of Jesus. Listen, it matters. People are watching you. People are weighing it out. And how you live as a follower of Jesus Christ, it absolutely matters. Listen to me. Your actions, your words, your responses, your life is either a blessing to the cause of Jesus Christ or it is a detriment to the cause of Jesus Christ. Now listen, I'm talking to you right now. Your actions, your words, your responses, how you live your life, it is either a blessing to the cause of Jesus Christ or it is a detriment to the cause of Jesus Christ. It is either leading people to see Jesus or it is repelling them away from Jesus. There is no middle ground. How we live as believers matters because we carry the name of our Savior, Jesus. Well, I, don't, I didn't think it mattered. Well, they better look at somebody else. Well, they better get over it. Nobody should look at me. Listen, that is the truth how you live as a follower of Jesus Christ, the way you do business, the language that you use, how you treat other people, the perceptions that you speak on, 
It matters because we carry the name of Jesus. That's just a bonus, all right, verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men from among the brethren. Now, why does that happen? Well, Barnabas and Paul could have said, see, we're right. They could have gone back to Antioch and said, we went up there and checked it out. We were right. So they send others as witnesses, verse 23. And they sent this letter by them. I thought that was pretty awesome. This is the actual letter. What must we do to be saved? Here is the actual response. Here's the letter, verse 23. And they sent this letter by them. The apostles and the brethren who are elders to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia who are from the Gentiles, greetings. Verse 23 is an awesome thing. They call them brothers. Do you know that wouldn't happen on a previous day? Do you know they couldn't stand each other on a previous day? But because they've unified in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they said the brothers here tell the brothers there, greetings, they call them brothers. That's a big deal, verse 24. Since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction, we didn't send them, have disturbed you, listen to these words, with their words, unsettling your souls. Verse 25, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Verse 26, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to point out something here very quickly. Look at the men who are going Look at the men who are proclaiming and defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says here, they have risked their lives for the name of our Lord. I think that's worth pointing out. In not many years from this letter going out of this place, James will be thrown off the temple and he'll be stoned and killed for the name of Jesus Christ. Peter will be sentenced to crucifixion, but he'll say, I don't want to be crucified like my Lord, and he's crucified upside down. Paul, they will tell Paul, be silent, be silent, be silent under the threat of death. He knew he's under the threat of death. They behead Paul. Tradition says that Barnabas is stoned, and we could go on and on. And I want you to see this, where the false teachers always serve themselves the teachers of God, the teachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they give their very lives, everything for the cause of Jesus Christ. Look at who's preaching. Look at what they do. A false teacher will always serve themselves. Verse 27. Therefore we have sent Judas and Silas who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth. Verse 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, God led this, and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. Verse 29, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourself free from such things, you will do well. It doesn't say you'll be saved. 
you will do well. And the letter ends, farewell. Very straightforward. We're not going to bother you. You understand the gospel. We're going to tell you, watch out how you live. It matters to the Jewish folks in your cities. Farewell. Here's your letter. Let me read the, the closing verses. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch. They took the letter and went. And having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. Verse 31. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Verse 32. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. It was the word of God. Verse 33. After they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those that had sent them back. They sent them out from in peace to go to the ones that they left from in peace. Verse 34, but it seemed good to Silas to remain there. What do we believe today? We believe by, we're saved by the grace of God, by faith in Jesus Christ. Why do we believe that today? Because it is settled in the word of of God. Now the last point, does it matter? Now stay with me for just a few moments. We're almost done. Does it matter? Let me point out a couple of things here. Notice the mistruth the Bible says in verse 24, the mistruth, you have to be circumcised or something to do to be saved. You're not really saved. The mistruth, verse 24, disturbed them and unsettled their souls. These are very deep words. Disturbed means stirred them up. It means to whip them up, to agitate them. And you can imagine that it was. The mistruth whipped them up. It agitated them. It set them at at ease. And it says unsettled their souls. That word for unsettled is an interesting word. It means left for bankrupt. It means literally, most literally this, robbed from them. Here's what I want you to be very sure of today. Mistruth, non-truth, distortions of the truth will do nothing but cause pain and hurt and division and suffering even to the very core of your soul. Listen, it may be comfortable. Listen, it may sound good. Listen, it may be popular. Listen, it may be all over the radio waves, but mistruth and non-truth and distortions of the truth will do nothing but cause pain and hurt and division and suffering even to the very core of your soul. It matters what we preach. It matters what we embrace. And friends, it matters where we got it. Here's what I've figured out. Non-truth will always, listen, will always end in shipwreck. It may look good for a while. It may be be exciting for a while. Non-truth will always end in shipwreck and I've watched it over all these years. Homes are destroyed because of of non-truth. Marriages are ruined because of non-truth. Lives are destroyed because of non-truth. Churches are destroyed because of non-truth. Futures are stolen away because of non-truth. Suffering will always be the result 
of the preaching of non-truth. And yet I want you to see this, and here's how we end. And yet the truth results in the word of God. I'll just say that. The, the truth is the word of God. The word of God results in, verse 30, unity. There's only gonna be unity in the word of God. Verse 31, joy. There's only gonna be joy in the truth of Jesus Christ. Verse 32, encouragement. There's only true lasting encouragement in the word of God. Verse 33, in strengthening and building up, equipping. That only happens in the word of God. Verse 33, peace. There is only peace in our Savior Jesus Christ and the truth of his gospel. He says, my peace I give, not as the world gives do I give. Listen, our hope alone is found in the Savior of Scripture, the good news of God's word. It matters, it matters, it matters. The truth matters. So what do they do? Verse 35, but Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. Listen to this. Teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. What do we do today? Foundations we thought would last are crumbling, times are changing. Things are getting robbed out from under us, pulled out from under us. What do we do today? Here's what we do. We stand upon the truth of God's grace shown to us through a risen, resurrected, powerful Savior, our perfect Lamb of God, Jesus. We profess that there is hope and that hope endures even in these days. And we hold fast to that truth. There is, tr there is hope and the truth matters. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dream Father, we come, and I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful in a world that would, that would jerk us down, that would kick us while we're down, that would heap discouragement upon us, that the truth still stands. And you have not changed, and you're powerful, and you're gracious, and you're kind, and you're trustworthy, and you're faithful. And so guess what? Your word is too. It doesn't change. Lord, I'm thankful that we have hope today in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we have the forgiveness of our sins. I'm thankful we have eternal life, abundant life. We praise you for it. Lord, I pray for a lost and dying world that does not have it. Maybe some in this room that are struggling outside of it. I pray that today in the preaching of this good news, that today they would embrace you. Pray that we would be a church and go out and we would preach this word, this, this message of hope, and that the world would embrace it. Lord, help us in that, enable us in that. I ask as we can... Wrap up as we conclude this service. Lord, that praying that you've been honored in the preaching of your word, I pray that you would move in our hearts and our minds. Pray that you'd remove any hindrance. I pray that you'd be glorified and known in this event. We give it to you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.